Hey everyone, welcome to the I Dare You podcast. This podcast is all about you and helping you reach the big goals that you have for your life. And what next steps will you take to get there? I'm your host, Darren Johnson, and I am so glad you're here. Whether this is your 84th episode you've listened to, or maybe it's your very first one or the first few, welcome to the show. If you like what you hear, I invite you to subscribe and follow us so you do not miss an episode. Also, all the action can be found on Instagram at I Dare You Pod. Follow us there for exclusive content you're not going to get anywhere else. Everything's designed to equip you and inspire you to become the best version of yourself. So I will see you there. So now, episode 84, here we go. Brant Hansen is our guest. You may have heard the name, I know you've heard his voice. For those that don't know a lot about Brant, let me tell you about him. He is a best selling author, a nationally syndicated radio host on over 150 stations all over the U.S. and Canada. And he is a passionate advocate, as you'll hear, for healing children through Cure International Children's Hospitals. Unbelievable stories. His books include Blessed Are the Misfits, The Truth About Us, and his latest, The Men We Need, about masculinity in today's world. Now, his very first book, Unoffendable, has sparked a wide discussion on the subject of anger and forgiveness and was recently featured on ABC's Good Morning America. Now, what can you expect to learn in the episode? You're going to learn about forgiveness in a completely different way. Your heart just might change on this topic of forgiveness. And you're also going to learn about what it means to be unoffendable and how we can be even more humble with each other in our interactions and not be angry all the time. And finally, near the end of our interview, our conversation, Brant and I get into marriage and what it means to be a dad and Brant and Carolyn have been married for 33 years, Michelle and I for 34 years, and so we, we're not sharing advice, but we're swapping notes, and we're sharing some insights of what we've learned along our journey. So whether you are newly married or you've been married for a long time, there may be something there that will resonate with you. So now with that as a setup, I can't wait for you to meet Brant. This is just a conversation that I will never forget. I hope it's that same experience for you. Here, everyone, is Brant Hansen. Brant, welcome to the podcast. It is really great having you here. Uh, I'm honored. Thank you. So Brant, um, look, you heard my introduction of you, uh, author, syndicated radio host, do a lot of great work. How would you describe what you are doing right now with your vocation? It's a lot. Well, it does. It's, it's actually a little confusing at times, but <laughs> I use it all, honestly, like I, I started visiting years ago when I was doing a radio show, I visited a hospital in Afghanistan. Uh, it was Cure. So these are surgical hospitals that treat, uh, in that case, women and children. Now it's all pediatric now, but um, with orthopedic surgeries and neurosurgeries and for people who don't have any money, like, so it's stuff that if in the U.S. would be fixed lickety split, but in another country can be 16 years old. You can't walk. And it, all you needed was a surgery. Wow. So I was really intrigued by that. And so I've now visited and become part of the kind of this, this whole hospital family. There's eight full scale surgical hospitals around the world. And that's what we do. So I use my entire platform for that. So whatever I'm doing, writing books, um, doing the radio show or whatever. It's it's all kind of integrated into that because I'm so excited about what Cure does and not enough people know about it. So I hope that makes some sense. But so I'm, I'm, I'm scattered in some ways, but it's all kind of focused on that mission. Yeah, so you're leveraging your platform. It sounds like, to re I'm repeating it back, but leveraging your platform to really hone in on helping 
helping cure. Um, is that yeah. fair to say? Yeah, that's exactly what it is. And it's interesting, too, because I so we're on, I don't know how many stations on it. It's 150, 200 stations nationwide. And they don't pay me. They have to air spots about cure. Is that right? Yeah. So it's a daily radio show. You know, we get good ratings, blah, 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 all that stuff. And we're on in some major markets like Seattle and LA and New York City and stuff like that. But um, that's that's what we do. So I, I provide the content and in exchange, we get the word out about Cure. So Cure's been able to grow as a result. Well, uh, okay. I'm sorry. I didn't, mean to, I didn't mean to, no, see, I didn't mean to cool. step on you there. F finish that thought. No, it's just a, it's a kind of a, a different kind of model for how to do media, but it's it's worked out beautifully. It's been win 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 all the way around. So instead of me having to work at a radio station or a network or something like that, I just I do my thing for my home, and um, <laughs> and then I get to go visit these hospitals and play with these kids and meet these families and uh, write about it. So it's kind of awesome. When I was reading about you, and I know you're involved with Cure, and I went on the Cure website, the stories of the kids around the world are, it's just mind-blowing. And again, to repeat back, these are things that they can be, the disabilities can be treated with surgery. And I just assumed right. that you would be, you know, giving X percent of your income to Cure or doing some, but this is more than just surface level passion and wanting to help. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. In fact, you know, what's really cool kind of a behind the scenes thing. Like I would take my son to visit the hospitals when he was younger. So high school and college. And uh, he would stand in the OR at the time. He was like a Russian literature major at Berkeley. <laughs> and, um, but he's standing in the OR. He was really taken with that work. And so uh, he wound up being an Intel officer after his, after he graduated at Berkeley. But then now he's at, in med school at Yale, he's planning to be a, a neurosurgeon for cure. That's what he wants to do. I mean, it, it's so profound. I can't even describe it. Like I'm a Christian, right? So my, my, these, these hospitals are all about praying over these kids, praying for the families, charging them $0 and zero cents and giving them a first, first rate, uh, surgical, like, like just all the care is just first rate. So that just, to me, as an expression of my faith, that's like so on point when a lot of religious stuff doesn't make any sense to me. But this, like, it's just is so beautiful and profound. I, I can't say enough. I'm glad you went on the website. That's really cool. Yeah. So your son is going to be a neurosurgeon for Cure? That's the plan. That's I asked him recently. Is it still? He's, yeah, that's the he's he's going to be a third year med school med student. You know, this I guess he's already a third year. Uh, but. Yeah, that's, that's so good. That's, that's a proud dad moment for a lot of uh, reasons. Totally. It's a, it's completely a, a, a naked dad brag. Right. And I, but <laughs> but it's, it's, it's kind of neat because I think he's not a particularly emotional guy, nor am I. I'm more analytical, but everybody wants to wait to serve when they see, wait a second, this is how I fit in the kingdom, how I can do stuff. And um, I think he's a great example of that. Oh, and, that's so good. Me too. I get to, I get to be part of this with, with, I can't be a surgeon, um, but I've got words yeah, and I get to use what I have. And I think that's a, a real blessing for me. Yeah. Well said, you know, um, if, if you and I were just to beam into a cure hospital in Afghanistan, for example, what would I see? What, what paint the picture for me and what would I okay. be maybe surprised by? 
Well, let's go to, I'll, I'll take you to Uganda. Let's like Uganda. fly in Uganda. There's a waiting area that's sort of an outside, it's, it's covered area, right? Because the weather's usually pretty nice. You will find women coming to this waiting area, carrying babies that have gigantic heads. And they've got hydrocephalus, but they don't know what it is. And these kids will die if they don't get treated. And they, they have sought out everything where they are they've been considered cursed the babies are considered monsters so these these moms have been rejected a lot of times by their own husbands the fathers of the baby are like i don't want to have anything it's it's a totally common story there's a very high incidence of hydrocephalus this water on the brain in uh in uganda so what you'll find is these women are completely rejected by their own communities by their own families and they've got this monster that they're told that's that's gonna die and they come up to the waiting area and then they see something they like it freaks them out. They see a whole bunch of other women with giant headed babies that were told that maybe they could find healing here. Oh. And we, that's what we do one after the other. We do thousands of surgeries for hydrocephalus that save the baby's life. And then they go back to their villages with a child who's healed and it freaks people out. And they're like, who did this? But if you walk, you'll see modern ORs, you'll meet surgeons who live, it's full scale, full on hospitals. In Uganda, all the neurosurgeons now are Ugandans, which is remarkable in world history. Like, so we train nationals. And once the hospital has been around a while, you find like our Kenyan hospital, it's entirely staffed by Kenyans. I don't know what that, what the, it might be 150, 200 people on staff. Wow. The administrators, the surgeons, everybody. Uh, so it is a remarkable, it's joyful. There's music, there's bright colors, there's people singing, there's uh, like Bible studies that go on in the mornings for the moms that they, so that they can learn that they're not actually cursed, that God loves them. Oh my. So it's, it's nonstop miracles in there. Like so each one of these hospitals is like that. So these are in, in, in other places, it's older kids. They might be 17 years old and they can't walk. And now they can Oh, and they go back and freak everybody out in their village because they're like, we thought you were cursed. No, I'm not. Oh. I found out I'm not. And um, yeah, so it's That's pretty crazy. tough not to get excited about that. And one other thing on that, I could talk about it all day, but we've done Cure, International Children's Hospitals, in the past six months has done 11,000 surgeries in the last six months. But people don't know about it because they don't have a big PR budget. Like there's, right. there's nothing like this in the world, but people like you just, it's hard to get the word out. So that's, that's to me, when I visited, I'm like, how come no one's heard of this? And they're like, well, we're kind of busy. We're doctors. So like, <laughs> yes. was, we're, we're performing miracles for Pete's sake. Yeah. I'm like, well, you know what? <laughs> hey, I know I can help in my own little way. I'm not like a mega celeb or nothing, but I can help. And so uh, I'm ecstatic about that. Wow, that's so cool. You know, the, the, on the website, the mission statement of Cure, uh, for everyone listening, this is new to me, So I'm, I'm, is to heal the sick and proclaim the kingdom of God, Luke 9, verse 2. And yep. so that's the foundation of it. And anything to add to that? But I think that's a powerful mission. Well, there's nothing like it. Um, again, I'm, I've been through a lot of religious baggage, like a lot of bad experiences where it's like, I don't even understand how this relates to Jesus, a lot of stuff. I won't get into it. Just if you knew my background, you'd be like, holy smokes, you've been through some bad trauma. But this looks like Jesus to me. Yeah. Like this makes sense. Healing this, the poor and the sick 
and off and telling them, no, you're not cursed. God actually loves you. And you're every bit as valuable as anybody else. In fact, he draws close to the brokenhearted mom. You've been put through all this or a child that now gets to dance a little girl or something that always watched her friends do it like by the thousands. And it's, and it's awesome too, because like in America, we try to get people interested in, in Christianity or churches, like let's have the best coffee. Maybe we can have an advertising campaign and we can do like over there, the waiting list at our hospital in Ethiopia is 5,000 plus families long. You're kidding me. No. And people will come from hundreds of miles away. They will get a one-way bus ticket. You will do whatever you can to heal your kids. You can imagine. Oh my God. Like if you're, 13 year old daughter can't walk and you find out, wait, they'll heal her. You will do whatever it takes. So it's interesting to see people carrying on their backs. They'll walk if they have to, you don't have to have great coffee. If you're healing people, people will bust through the top ceiling if they have to, to get, to get to healing. So it's, it, it looks like Jesus to me. It looks like new Testament stuff. And, and I, I'm excited to be able to be a part of that. Wow. You know, uh, you just exposed me because uh, I grew up <laughs> I, I grew up Lutheran and I, and out here in Idaho Falls, I was part of our little Methodist church. And uh -huh. I, was on the church I was on the church council, Brant, and I can't tell you how many <laughs> Saturday morning council meetings we spent on how do we get more people to walk through the doors? Maybe, right, right. maybe it is, we just got to have better coffee. I mean, I kid you not. <laughs> no, I know. We do. It's, a, it's, it's just the way we think. But it's so oh. funny. Like, if you actually do the Jesus stuff, people will beat the doors down. It won't be the hip, cool, affluent urbanites, you know, that you're, right. a lot of people try to attract, you know, but it's going to be the absolute most desperate people will do whatever they can to get to Jesus. Yeah. So it's, it's fascinating to watch it on so many levels to see this play itself out in, in the modern world. It's just that people don't know about it. Yeah. Well, there's here's something I struggle with, and I want your take on it. Give me a little coaching. But there's there's just such a need in the world, everywhere, locally, internationally. Uh, there's no shortage of organizations that just need help and good organizations. But why did you choose Cure? Of all the ones, of all the ones, they're everywhere. Why are you so locked in on Cure? I think I think healing is not just another thing. There are there are there's a ton of great causes and I've been part of some great causes but healing there's a reason why like almost all of Jesus miracles were healing miracles. It's not random. I mean he could be like hey check this out I'm going to make this planet explode watch the sky like like but it's, he doesn't it's not random. It's an advanced trailer of heaven. Wow. Right. Because like the, the kingdom in its fullness, people, the lame will leap like deer, it says in Isaiah, and the deaf will hear and the eyes will be open like like the blind will see. This is Jesus is giving us an indication of what heaven is like, the kingdom in its fullness. He's showing us. And that helps us see that the kingdom is breaking through on earth as it is in heaven. Right. Mm -hmm. So seeing that it is an advanced trailer of heaven. Healing is not just another thing. So I think that's that's why I'm more attracted to it. Also, I cannot believe what a bargain it is. Like the amount that we spend on stuff. I mean, you know this, like to think, wait a second, a thousand bucks recharts an entire family's life. And the whole village is in awe yeah. that this girl can now come walking back that they said was a freak and a monster. Now her legs are straight. Like a thousand bucks. And we spend how much on trying to attract people to our stuff? Like 
that's just just me being a bottom line kind of guy uh, like this just makes sense yeah so i think that's it i think it's the combination of those things you know in your bio i'm looking at it you have your official bio and uh, i think you you're very self-effacing you're very you know this is my official bio but then on your <laughs> on your website you have your more i think it's you call it the real bio or the but in, yeah. in this bio, you talk about just some real candid language about how uh, you have no idea what you're doing. And you, yeah. in fact, in quote, no idea what he's doing. And <laughs> but the one phrase I want to follow up on is that you wrote, Jesus is the only person who really makes sense. And I just got to I just got to follow up on that. What, what, what do you mean by that? OK, as an example. If you read Nobel winning Daniel Kahneman's writing or whatever, if you read about you know, or Jonathan Haidt from NYU, if you, you read cognitive scientists talk about all the biases that our, our minds are capable of. I mean, you can chart, there's more than a hundred or some, something would have 300 cognitive biases. Like just, we're just, we don't think straight. We're more deluded than we think. And, and one of the principal delusions of humankind, according to people like Daniel Kahneman, is our moral goodness. Everybody thinks they're morally better than average. <laughs> it's start. It's started. You've heard that about drivers, right? Like everybody right. thinks they're a driver. Well, it's even more pronounced when it comes to moral goodness. That's the biggest self-delusion we have. And if you go through all these cognitive biases, they're almost all rooted in self-righteousness. And I find that fascinating. And so when Jesus is relating to humans, it's like he already knows all this. And yeah. he's trying to cut us cut us off from this addiction we have to being right ourselves. And he keeps saying, repent, which means rethink. Humble yourself and rethink. Well, that's exactly what these cognitive scientists are saying now. Like, you've got to get humble and you've got to rethink about how wrong you really can be. You don't realize and also how self-righteous you are. But Jesus just busts through all of that hubris all of those delusions and all of that self-righteousness in such a refreshing way. I just think he's like the little stories he tells are so economical, just in the number of words. Right. And we're still unpacking them, hmm. but he, he nails human nature. And uh, I think that's, that's one principal reason that I'm, I find him so compelling is that it does seem to me that he's way ahead of the curve. Like he knows how we're designed. I believe he does. Sure. So I, I just feel like sometimes I have to retreat to the gospels and read that because he's so refreshing the way he humbles the proud and lifts up the humble and cuts through the baloney so fast. Like it's just, it's medicinal for me as, as somebody who's been bathed in religious talk, I actually go back to Jesus and I find him to be the, like the antidote for that. Wow. So I follow you on Twitter. You're a great follow, by the way. And uh, four, four days ago, Chris tweeted to you or responded to you. <laughs> he says, you are on the radio, question mark. I thought you were just a scholar and author. And your response was, yes, I also do a radio show, Refreshingly Odd and Oddly Refreshing with the hilarious I Am Sherry Lynn. What, what's intriguing to me, though, is that, yeah, I mean, the, you're very well read and well schooled in the gospel and also human nature and science. And and um, you're, you're really a kind of a renaissance guy where you're just kind of combining all of this in one one bundle um why why are you doing what you're doing you're, you're really bringing it i think 
part of it, I, and I, I mentioned this in my bio and stuff, like I'm on the autism spectrum. I was diagnosed years ago and my son was too. And I think that puts you in a role of an observer and you feel kind of alien to culture. Like you're standing outside it, not above it, but outside it. And I think, I, I think a lot of us who are on the spectrum, we're given a thing, right? Like some people are just, they're amazing experts to electronics or, or coding or something. Um, or they're just incredibly good with statistics or they, whatever. But I think my thing is synthesizing ideas. And so I, that's, I, I enjoy that whole thing. I like, yeah. I like that. So <laughs> I'm not, there's so much stuff. You have all these commensurate, I'm sure you do too. And I could, I could turn the tables and interview you. If and be like, you have these strengths and then you have these commensurate weaknesses that are just gaping areas. And for me, I have, I can't fix anything. I'm not good with guy stuff. I'm not, I'm horrible at that. So me too, me too, by the way. yeah, and I'm not really gifted socially. I've gotten much better, much, but I've always struggled socially. And uh, so, yeah, so my thing is synthesizing ideas and then verbalizing them. And I think, I think, everybody's got a thing. That's my thing. Yeah. I think that is your thing. You know, a few minutes ago, you talked about how you can write and you can, that's one of the gifts that you have and to help out with cure and others. So you are a gifted writer. You have four books, if I'm right here, Brant and um, unoffendable was your first book. And now you have a couple of brand new chapters on, on this. And so, to, and unoffendable is about how our culture, this embrace of self-righteous anger, which you brought up a few minutes ago, tell me about unoffendable. It was your first book, but now you wrote a couple of new chapters on it. What was on your mind? Why, why are you bringing that back? It's so funny too, because I literally, I honestly didn't know what I was going to write about. I was just like, I need to write about something. I want to try. Cause everybody's like, I, I want to write a book, you know? Yeah. And I was like, enough talking about it. I'm going to sit down and I'm going to write something. Even if it's bad, I'll at least I'll write it. <laughs> and I sent it off and the Harper College was like, yeah. Really? So yeah. It, it, even at the time I was like, well, if it sells 5,000 copies, that's a win. Yeah. That'd be, I can say I wrote a book and some people bought it and that's more than average. <laughs> now we're heading towards like 300,000 oh, copies, which is really? why they wanted to reprise it. And add some more because when I wrote it, it was 2015 and America's just exploded with anger. And oh, totally and, different yeah. now. Yeah. I mean, it was bad then. We already yeah. had what they call that epidemic of anger, but I, it, it's so relevant that they wanted to kind of reprise it. And uh, yeah, so that that's that's unoffendable. And it's also very counterintuitive. And it's it's a rare book in that if you tell people the the idea behind it, ninety-five percent of people will be like, "I I disagree. That can't be." <laughs> so well, I think that, that's why it, I think it's it can scratch an itch for people. Like this cannot be true, but it is. Well, I'll, I'll tell you, I am not all the way through it. Okay, but I'm I'm about halfway through. I was looking at the review. Uh, one of the one of the reviews of the books calls this. He says that this book is counterintuitive, even radical. So now I've. Uh, why is this book considered? counterintuitive or more extreme why is it such a radical idea well because even if you're I, i'm coming at it as a believer it been this this idea benefits everybody whether they're believers or not you know from any background but um i'm 
saying there's no such thing for humans as righteous anger. And no one agrees with that practically um, at first, especially yeah. if they're Christians, because they're taught, we're taught when we grow up, like, no, there's righteous anger and then there's there's bad anger. You're supposed to keep the righteous anger and stay angry about that, but get rid. And I was like, so we're supposed to stay angry about all the time, whenever, about everything? But yeah, anything that angers God, you should be angry about. Like, but that's always, that's always, it's everywhere. I'm supposed to constantly be angry. That's not healthy, is it? Like, how long am I supposed to stay angry about stuff? And I legitimately, honestly, was looking in scripture and asking people, like, when am I supposed to let go of this anger that's so righteous? And they're like, well, you know, if just for a while and then get rid of it. Like, but then I study in the Bible, like, there is no righteous anger in the Bible for humans. God's anger is righteous. Our anger we're supposed to get rid of. It's never treated like it's a good thing. We're supposed to get rid of it before the sun goes down. It's not in the list of fruits of the spirit, like love, joy, peace, anger, goodness. Like, it's, it's always listed as a negative. For humans, what we're supposed to do is actually forgive people. And we're supposed to take action against injustice. We can pat ourselves on the back for anger, but we're actually supposed to take action against it. And that's a different thing. You actually do a better job without anger of addressing injustices. Uh, so I unpack all that in the first few chapters because I know people just implicitly are just like, this cannot be. We're supposed to be angry about all this stuff. Like, so it's once you unpack that, the rest of the book is about how life gets better. And you, you wind up humbling yourself, trusting God more. You still acknowledge right and wrong. You still act, but you do it with a, with a much healthier outlook in life. And it makes, you, it makes your relationships better. It literally has physiological consequences to make your life better. Like, so, so yeah, that's, that's the book. That's good. You know, one of my, uh, it's not really a hobby. It's just one of the things I'm interested in always. Whenever I'm, um, you know, having a podcast guest on, I do a little research and I always find it interesting. I always try to figure out who they are just by looking at their Instagram and their webpage and, and on Twitter. <laughs> and here's what I saw on your, uh, on your Twitter. You have your pinned post or your pinned tweet. It is, uh, let's see if I can find it. Here it is. It's from June of 2020, right? So it's there. You could have pinned anything and it's still there. And you wrote, I get asked, if I forgive someone, does that mean I have to stay in the relationship with them? The answer, no. But oddly, if you don't forgive someone, you're choosing to stay in relationship with them. They're still playing a toxic role in your life. Forgiveness is freedom. Bingo. Okay. That, see, there's a reason why you chose that as your pinned tweet. Um, why is that so important to you? Because it's one of the big objections to this idea that I'm supposed to forgive people. Even though, I mean, Jesus cannot be more clear, but the people who are Christian are taught, like, am I supposed to forgive? Does that mean I have to stay in relationship with this person or this abusive person? Or you're telling people that they just have to, like, no, 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 you still have boundaries. And you, and you have clear boundaries. You can, like, but if you don't forgive, this person is staying in relationship with you in your head for the rest of your life. So true. <laughs> So this is this is to free you. What Jesus is telling us to do is always about freeing us. It really is. Like he knows how to live. So this life of forgiving as we've been forgiven. Like you don't do it because the other person deserves it. They don't deserve it. You forgive people because you didn't deserve it. I mean that's the resource for this. Like I forgive people because what God has done for me. I really believe that. So I have to forgive other people because 
of how I've been forgiven. And if I don't, the measure will be used to me that I measure other people with. That's, that's a scary thing. Yeah. So here's one other thing. The other question that keeps coming up and I had it come up. I was thankful to be on good morning America a few months ago, which, which I never saw come in, but it was cool. The anchor was like, okay, sure. Yeah. But it's really hard to forgive people. Yeah. That's my follow-up. <laughs> like, it's totally true. It is. It's hard. But I was like, you know, what's harder. It's living a life of unforgiveness. That's really hard. Yeah. For the rest of your life, the toll that that takes on you, your relationships, the way it distorts your personality. Ah. Changes so again, this is a way to live. This is, and it is doable, um, but it's, it's, it's charting your life going, I'm going to practice this way of forgiveness. And this is how I'm going to live. Yeah. Well, okay. So now you also have, uh, by the way, no, I have one other follow up on this. So the, the book unoffendable, wh what would you hope someone would think or do differently as, as a result of, of reading the, this book? What do you think? Well, I would love, and I, I have been so encouraged when this happens when somebody's like, my life has changed, which is so amazing. Like, because this is so unpredictable. Like I, I say, I don't know what I'm doing. I really don't. I didn't know what I was doing when I was writing this book. Like <laughs> that's a really sweet thing that that God would do that. And the change is deciding each day I'm going to forgive people in advance. I'm not going to be shocked at the state of the world again and again and again and again. Like I know what humans are like. I know what I'm capable of when I'm at my worst. Like we're all a mixed bag. I'm going to do it. And it's so freeing. I'm telling you, you can, I call traffic forgiveness practice because it's such a low leverage way <laughs> to just let people off the hook. Yeah. Pray for them. They cut you off there. Somebody's an idiot. Okay. Doesn't make it what they did. Right. But watch your own heart change when you hear yourself praying for somebody. There's, there's even a proverb that says a gentle answer turns away wrath. And I'm trying to tell people, do you realize when you hear yourself give a gentle answer, it turns away your own wrath? Interesting. Yeah. So that's really free. Yeah. Instead of being tied up and burdened and, and conflicted all the time and feeling this anger, that's gone. And now you're able to like enjoy things and be patient, love people. Like that's, that's very attractive. People wind up wanting to hang out with somebody who's unoffendable. They really do. It's like, it's like a breath of fresh air because the rest of the world runs on a fence. Yeah. There'd be that one person is like, you can't even scandalize me. Right. <laughs> I know. Yeah. No, that's not, yeah. Contrarian point of view, very empowering though, as well, when you're in control <laughs> like that, you know, I, uh, your podcast, uh, let's see if I have this right. Uh, Brant and Sherry podcast. Do I have that right? Yeah. Yeah. You're right. So what, 15 plus million downloads, but the format is really cool. I just, I really enjoy it. The little segments, I'm assuming it's from segments from your radio program, correct? Yes. Yes. Yeah. And for those who haven't checked it out yet, many of you already have, but I invite you to check that out. Um, of course, after you get done listening to the I Dare You podcast, Brent, but but definitely check, <laughs> right. check out the podcast. But one of the things that you said that's been hanging hanging with me, it had to do with for centuries, people have asked the question, why is there so much bad in the world? And maybe a better question is, why is there so much good in the world? 
Right. That's hanging with me. And if you don't mind, pick up on that because I'd never thought of it that way. Well, it's certainly not original to me. I think I was reading N.T. Wright and um, he mentioned that. He's like, we, there's this old you know, philosophical question. Like if there's a loving God who's all powerful, how is there evil in the world? And I'm not going to dismiss that. I mean, we could talk about that at length. But he said, there's a, there's another question. If this is all random chance or just matter and energy, why is there so much good? Why self-sacrifice? Why does love matter? Why, why music? Why would just random frequency? Why? why? Like, it's all just matter and energy. It's just chemicals sloshing around in our brain. We know better than that. Why, why physical beauty, natural beauty? I'm looking out my window. It's just, it's, it's stunning. Yeah. It's, it's just the tree here, but good grief. There's so much <laughs> beauty at the micro level and the macro level. Why? So he's kind of, he's kind of turning that question on its head or presenting another question. And I, I would love to hear people address that. And I, I don't think people do. I don't think they, I think they just take it for granted without thinking like that doesn't make any sense absent some kind of creator that has something in mind. Yeah. So Brent, what's the best way to stay in touch with you and all the cool projects and things that you are working on? Where, where would we go? Gosh, I have a website, but I don't do enough with it. Um, so, but it's branthanson.com. And then you can follow me on Twitter and, um, Instagram, it's mostly just pictures of my fluffy dog on Instagram, but still <laughs> that that's fine. It's just at Brant Hansen, all these places. And then yeah, I think that's good. And go to cure.org too and yeah. see what is happening. It's like even if you don't want to give to it or whatever, just see that there's beautiful stuff happening in the world that no one is not gonna, it's not generally on CNN. And yet here's here's some people that are doing something that's so beautiful and profound like that. People are like, where's your God now when something bad happens? I'm like, I'll show you. I'll take you in one of these hospitals. You can see, you know, I'll show you where he is. Yeah. Speaking of that, when uh, looking forward in 2023, 2024, what are some of the projects or maybe trips you have planned with Cure? What, what do you have coming up that you're particularly excited about? Um, well, I got another book that's going to come out. Okay. Yeah. Um, it's it about? about, it's about joy, which is this, I love how Dallas Willard summed it up. He called it an ever, what do you call it? I can't remember what he called it. It's like a, an always present sense of well-being, regardless of circumstances. Like you can, <laughs> nice. no, yeah. No matter what you have this sense of well-being and it comes from trusting God even in the midst of crazy stuff. So if you are a joyful person in our culture, people will be like, well, you just, you're naive about all the horrible stuff that's going on. Like, no, it's not naivete. It's not lack of knowing. It's knowing more. It's knowing additional information um, about why you can still be at peace. So you're not ignoring anything. You're not naive. You're not ignorant, but you're still at peace. So I, that's what this book is about. And it's called Life is Hard, God is Good, Let's Dance. All so, right. I like yeah, it. We'll, we'll see how that goes. I think it'll be, uh, <laughs> I suspect it'll be pretty good. Well, look, uh, the invite is open. I'd love to have you back uh, to I'd talk about that one, okay? Yeah, I'd love to. I'd love to. You're such, a, you're such a good interviewer. You're so attentive and I haven't been around media for a long time. And I even, I've done talk radio and stuff, done so many interviews. I just, I'm 
I love that's how I want to interview too. Is I like just be dialed in what the person said. You listen. Yeah. So Good. Well, I appreciate that coming from you, sir. Uh, in your bio, it mentioned that I know you're a dad, two two grown kids. Yes. Yeah. Um, and you've been married for thirty what? How many years? Thirty three. All right. So Michelle and I, we've been married now for 34 years in June. I want to compare notes. What are some keys to having a successful marriage 33 years in and, and, and continuing? I love what Tim Keller said, or maybe his wife said it. Something like, been married 40 years to five different guys or something like that. All the same guy. <laughs> And I can't remember, he said it in a, in, a, in a more pithy way, but we change. And so you go through these changes together. If you're, it's such a humbling thing to just say, I, I'm going through this with you and I'm not looking back. So I don't want it to sound dark or anything. It hasn't been dark. It's gotten better over the years much better, but my wife's willingness, and maybe I'd love to hear from you and Michelle on this, but my wife's willingness to self-critique and my willingness to self-critique and say, oh, I've got this, I've got this problem where I'm too judgmental or I'm too this or that. My, my personality needs renovated. Um, that is, has made such a big difference. Hmm. So I hope that makes sense. It's the humility of saying I need to evaluate myself critically and you less critically. Yeah. And change. So I don't know for you, what, what would you say on that? Yeah. It's it's interesting you say that because I have, I think about it, I have changed. We all change over the years and months, decades. I'm a different person now. And Michelle is different too. We've had, you know, like all marriages, we've had things happen in our lives that have been uh, joyful and others that have been challenges and we're just different people. Uh -huh. But through it, through it all, she's my best friend and she makes me better. That's as part of the, when I talk to young people, my kids find someone who makes you better, not someone who holds you back either, you know, mentally or spiritually or someone who is that person who helps you realize that, you can do more and be more and tap into your strengths that God gave you. And yeah. Anyway, yeah. so does that, does, now I'm rambling here. Does that make no, sense? You're not, no, I, I feel the same way. Like I'm, I'm my wife's fan. Ultimately. Uh, I'm, I promote her. I'm a fan of hers. And yeah. One thing we never did, and I've never really talked about this, but we, I, I particularly, but both of us never let us drift apart. Like, I was really, even when we had little kids, I was very, I was very motivated to have time together each evening. I mean, each evening we joke about it, but it's true. It was like date night, yeah, pretty much every night. And it, I mean, sometimes we'd have social things or whatever, but it's still that way. Like I pursue her, let's sit down, let's relax, let's spend time together every day. I don't like traveling without her. I do sometimes now because we have a grandkid, which is incredible. Um, hey, way to go. Yeah, it's wonderful. But she used to travel with me everywhere, but now it's hard to compete with a local <laughs> grandchild. Sure. <laughs> but um, I, I just, I, I'm not going to let us 
we're not going to go our own separate ways. Like we're going to stay, we cannot get out of touch. Yeah. So I actually think I didn't I know what I was doing, but that may have been really, really smart. That's, that's good advice. And you do have to be intentional about it. I think that where, where I was went when you were saying that was when you're in younger in marriage and you're both, you know, it's, you have kids and you have a career and you're trying to pay the mortgage and you're just in the, in the grind and the hustle it can be really easy to drift and really easy to lose track of one another. And you got to just treat it as a priority and be really intentional because there's totally. just a lot of temptations in life and uh, you just got to do it. Otherwise it'll catch up with you. You know what, like my whole, whatever I'm doing in my career, like all these different things you were, you were talking about, like that's all happened lately. Mm. And I think that's interesting because I chose to turn down some things when our kids were in the house did you like yeah things that would have sounded prestigious because i would have not been plugged in with them it just would have been like throwing myself into my career and i would have felt some ego rush out of it yeah but i actually made of all the dumb decisions that i've made in life i chose less prestige way less money and tons more time with my family for years. And so we didn't have any money at all Mm. until recently, once the kids left the house or as they were just like transitioning out, I had more time Mm. and I started doing all this stuff and now we're fine. Retirement's fine. We're fine. We're able to give like we've never been able to give before. And I think, I think that was wise. It's like you have seasons in life. Yeah. And it's, I think it's, kind I, I attribute it to the lord i think he's made up for all that lost time in terms of that whatever whatever that I could have pursued so i didn't pursue it and then uh it, 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 i couldn't have written what i'm doing now like this is this is perfect i didn't even plan it it just happened i'm so thankful kind of what we hit on earlier like don't let don't drift apart yeah it's right. so important it happens so often like you can be ambitious i get it but like if I was going to do the lawyer thing, so I had I had scholarships, these top law schools and whatnot, and I didn't mind the law school thing. I thought I can, you know, and that's fine. But then coming out, I knew I had lawyer friends going to me, dude, you're going to have to work at a big firm to pay off the loans that you would have for living expenses. Yeah. You're going to see your family one night a week. You'll have oh, dinner. my. That's a different animal. That's different. Yeah. So, I mean, like that's, I, I don't want to have a job where I have to throw myself into it. And then my wife emotionally distances herself from me right and then I further distance myself well if I'm not getting what I want at home emotionally I'll throw all my ego into my work mm-hmm. and then we're living this kind of friendly but separate lives in the yes. same thing I just see that all the time I don't want that no well I think yeah this is another I can feel it another book in the wings on marriage here Brant or you and I are going to have a joint podcast on marriage and family that's, you can that's do that. <laughs> all right. Hey, Brent, um, I ask all my guests at the end of the podcast, uh, what is your, I dare you challenge for all of us? What would be the one thing that maybe we could try or do to help us live a better life? What's your, I dare you challenge for us, Brent? I'll boil it down to what we talked about earlier about cognitive biases. I wrote a book called the truth about us and it's all about this stuff, but have the audacity to rethink that's and that's it. Just humble yourself. Rethink that you could be wrong on something, something significant. 
I talked to a, a group of guys on Zoom a couple of weeks ago, and I was talking about my book on on masculinity and about making your wife feel secure with your words instead of cutting her down or making her feel insecure with your sarcasm or not being verbal enough at home. And this old guy, I say old, he's not that old, but maybe 70. Yeah. She stands up at the end during Q&A. He's like, I got to tell you something. I have not made my wife feel secure with my words. I have cut her down subtly. And this has been our marriage our entire life, but that changes today. And I thought, that's really cool. I just, I have so much respect for that. Who, I mean, most people are like, well, this is just who I am. I am who I am. Like, no, you're still becoming something. So that humility to go, yeah, I've been doing this my whole life. You know what? It's wrong. It's wrong. And it's going to stop today. I think that's so beautiful. And in Jesus' words, if anyone actually does repent or rethink, all of heaven throws a party. He said that twice. He's like, it's so rare that someone would do that, like to a big crowd. If just one of you will actually humble yourself and rethink and re like say, I'm changing from now. Like the angels will go crazy. So that's that would be my I dare you is is maintain that sort of humble approach where you realize I'm loaded with biases. I could be wrong. There's stuff for me to learn. So it's a great challenge. That? Cool. And the name of the book, everybody, that uh, Brand was just talking about is The Men We Need. And you do get into masculinity and what it means. Uh, the world needs real men and, um, and there are real conflicting messages of what it means. And you get right into it. And we didn't have a chance to talk about it much. But um, I'd love to have you back and to chat about that book. I think it's a hot, hot topic. Heck yeah, absolutely. It is. We have plenty to talk about. There's yeah. a lot. I'm not trying to box you in a corner. I'd love to have you back and we can chat more about it. So awesome. No, let's um, do it. Brant, this has been a lot of fun meeting you and you just your your take on things is just so thought provoking. And I'm thinking about so many things differently. And I know our audiences as well. So thank you for for being on the podcast. It's been a pleasure. My pleasure. God bless you. Okay, that was Brant Hansen. We covered a lot of topics. Um, you know what's coming next. What is the one thing, just one, that you're going to implement in your life starting today? For me, it's a no-brainer. I'm going to start working on forgiveness and enjoying the freedom that I get through that and to watch my heart change in the process. What's it going to be for you? I challenge you to see it through and do it. So we're going to get Brand back on the show. He's got a new book coming out here soon. But also the book that I want to get into is The Men We Need, all about masculinity in today's world. So watch for that. And follow Brandt on Twitter and on Instagram. You'll see some really cool stories about Cure International and more. But I think you'll really enjoy getting his perspective on a range of topics. Really a sharp guy. And you just heard why. So now get ready for episode 85 next week. I'm excited about the next three episodes because we're going to focus in on wellness in three parts. The first one next week is about physical wellness. And we have a special guest. I think you're going to enjoy her story and her take and what it means to be strong. Then we're going to talk about financial wellness with Rachel Cruz from the Ramsey Network. And the final one, three-part series, is a surprise. So get ready for the series on wellness coming your way. Spread the word. It's all designed to help you live the life that you want. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. I know you got a lot of choices in digital media, more than ever before, but you are here on the I Dare You podcast, and I do not take it for granted. Now that you listen to this episode, who are you going to share this episode with? One person or 10? 
take that step. If you wait until tomorrow, you're going to forget. You know, it's one thing to listen to an episode like this, deep, reflective, uh, really uh, forces you to think through different things about your life. It's another to share this with someone else and then to talk about it and to cement these ideas in a way that will be long lasting. So that would be my challenge to you. Share this with someone else and then talk about it. I think you're going to find a completely different conversation about faith and life and forgiveness and healing in ways that you've never talked about or thought about before. Thanks for tuning, everyone. I'll see you next week right here on the I Dare You podcast. I'll see you then.